So one of my favorite characters uh, in the Bible is King David. I don't know if you have the same word association that most people do, but when you say King David, people only think of really three things. One, he wrote the Psalms, which is kind of half true. He wrote most of them, but other people wrote a few. Two, he fought Goliath. Young boy kills big angry giant. And three, the whole adultery, murder, and child thing with Bathsheba, you know, his darker period. But these are the three things that people think about when they think of King David. But he is one of my favorite people of all time in the Bible for many reasons. It says of him in the scripture that he, his heart was made like the Lord's, right? Like the Lord fashioned his heart after his own. What a crazy concept to think that the Lord loved David so much that he was like, yes, I'm going to make you a beloved son of mine, but I'm going to give you an extra portion of my spirit. I'm going to give you something little extra that conforms your heart to mine. That was, that's, that's just mind-blowing for me. And lest you think that this means that all he did was sit around and write poetry and play his harp all day long, David was a warrior. David was a warrior's warrior, right? Like he led the armies of Saul into battle multiple times and was victorious every time because he followed what the Lord was telling him to do. But even before he got to that point, one of my favorite scriptures of all time is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35, because it shows how awesome David is. David is a youth at this point, and he's trying to convince Saul, like, hey, let me go fight this giant, please, known as Goliath. And he says for his qualifications, he's like, yes, I know I'm young and I'm only a shepherd, but here's the thing. Whenever, this is almost verbatim, whenever a bear or a lion used to come and try and steal sheep from my father's flock, I would grab it by the throat, take the prey from its mouth, and strike it until it died. Like, are, do you understand what I just said? David said he would grab a bear by the throat and punch it to death. That's a pretty manly man, okay? That is a warrior's warrior. And so in the first reading, when they are coming to David to anoint him as king of all of Israel... They are saying, we are bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. We are your people. They use the same language that we hear in the Genesis account when God creates uh, Eve from Adam's rib. And he says, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. They are saying, like, you are like a father to us. We are your people. We are so closely related to you. There is no difference from your body and our body. Be a shepherd for us. Like you would shepherd your father's flocks against bears and lions, be that for us now. Because he had already led them into battle so many times and been victorious. They wanted him to be a king that would also protect them. Because they were waiting for a Messiah that would do the same thing. From the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were waiting for this victorious, militant Messiah who would come and lead them victoriously, like David led them victoriously. But as cool as David was, he was not the Messiah. He had so many things wrong with him. Today we celebrate the feast of Christ the King, the one who was the Messiah, the one they were waiting for. But he didn't come and lead a military revolt against the Romans. 
He didn't come and fulfill what they wanted him to do. He came and fulfilled everything he needed to. But he came in a way different from what they expected. We celebrate the king of the universe today. That's the feast's full name. Christ the king of the universe. Not just Christ the king of the world. Not just Christ the king of the America. The king of the universe. And what does it say of our king of the universe in the scriptures today? It shows him being mocked. It shows him being jeered at. Humiliated. Naked on the cross in between two criminals. This is not the way they thought the Messiah would come. And yet it also shows in that action, he is the perfect sacrificial lamb. He is the perfect sacrifice offered once for all. He shows how he works in that moment and through that action as priest, prophet, and king. David was anointed king, so he led the people. He also acted somewhat as a priest by offering sacrifice and praise to God and showing them how to stay in right relationship with God. And he acted as a prophet by taking the word of God and writing it down in the Psalms. Catholic pop quiz. How many in this room have been anointed priest, prophet, and king? Yes, you all better raise your hand if you're baptized. At your baptism, unless you are waiting to be baptized at this Easter vigil, you have been anointed priest, prophet, and king. So you are a priest in the common priesthood of Jesus Christ, in that you are to offer sacrifice in the form of prayers. But one person needs to offer the perfect prayer of the church on behalf of all of us. And that is why I have been ordained to the ministerial priesthood. I share in the common priesthood with you, but I am also a ministerial priest. Just like David offered sacrifice for the people, I offer sacrifice for all of us. You have also been anointed king in that you are to use what God has given you as good stewards. Financial security, looking towards the future, you are to use your will and intellect to procure for yourself a comfortable life. But one person is elected to rule the parish finances, and that is the pastor, because otherwise we'd have a vote by committee and nothing would ever get done. And you have been anointed prophet as well, meaning that you have an inherent duty by your baptismal right to go out and evangelize those who have not heard the gospel. But every now and then, one person in particular needs to be elected to focus on certain groups. And we have one of those groups in our parish that needs to be evangelized, and yet we don't have the person to do it. We need to be evangelizing our youth better, but we have no youth minister. There are two problems with this. One, we haven't hired a youth minister. Two, we don't have money to hire a youth minister. Let me give you some background of youth ministry in this parish. Some people actually came up to me last night after I gave this homily and they said, Father, we had no idea we didn't have a youth minister. We just assumed that we had one. We don't. We used to, six-ish years ago, and then she moved on and we thought, all right, we're going to hire a youth minister right away. It'll be great. It'll be fun. But then it didn't happen. And we kept waiting for the right candidate, but no one really that we really thought was great applied. And so it got pushed down the road and pushed down the road. And then eventually it became less of a priority. 
And then eventually, because the position was not filled, we stopped even budgeting for it. So now we don't have the budget to hire anyone. I'll give you uh, some perspective, let's say. Now, while we don't have a youth minister, we have a youth ministry. We have about 50 kids that show up every night, I'm sorry, every Sunday evening from the cluster at St. Mary's Star of the Sea. To put that in perspective, Immaculate Conception, our neighbor down the road, the closest Catholic church to us, they have a youth group as well. They have a full-time youth minister, and they have maybe 12 to 17 kids that show up each week. And I got this number because the youth minister over there used to be in seminary with me before he became a traitor and got married, but uh, <laughs> he is a good friend of mine, and so I asked him about their numbers, and that's what he told me. But see, the thing is that they have prioritized at Immaculate Conception, they have prioritized the youth. So they have the budget to hire and keep a full-time youth minister. And I don't think our priorities are that far off from Immaculate Conception. I just think we've kicked it down the road a little bit too long that we've lost the importance of it. We don't remember that that is a highly specialized ministry that needs a highly specialized minister. So this week, the second collection at all of the cluster parishes is being taken up so that we can raise enough money to hire a youth minister for one year. And then we will budget for having them if we get one. But see, here's the thing. We are only asking for a part-time youth minister, which they, they asked me to throw out this number of $15,000 for one person's part-time salary for a year. I'll be real honest with you. I think that's garbage. Um, I'll tell you also the sign that is, as soon as you walk into the tattoo parlor that I used to go to, it's right over the door, it says, cheap tattoos aren't good, and good tattoos aren't cheap. And the same thing can be said about a youth minister. We will get what we pay for. So if we only budget and we can only pay someone $15,000 a year, we're only going to get $15,000 worth of youth ministry, which is better than nothing but it's not good enough to get people to heaven. So I've always learned in my spirituality that uh, if your prayers to God don't scare you a little bit, you're not asking big enough. So I'm going to scare myself and ask you, I don't want to ask you for 15,000, I want to ask you for 45,000 so that we can hire a full-time excellent youth minister that won't just be here for a year, but will be with the kids as they grow and they mature. Now this is being asked of all of the cluster at every Mass, so the burden isn't all on you, but I do want to ask big. Now, in my own life, the youth ministry that I was a part of in Virginia Beach was so influential in my vocation of becoming a priest, I can't even explain it to you. I am still very good friends with my youth minister from high school. I met him when I was 14 and I am now 33 and I still consider him one of my closest friends and best confidants and mentors that I have. And he was able to, as a full-time youth minister, show me what it means to be a disciple of Christ because that's what youth ministry does. It's not a religious education program. We have a director of religious ed and she's very good at what she does. What we don't have is a youth minister whose sole job is forming intentional disciples 
not teaching them about Jesus, because you can learn all about Jesus and never know him, never be in relationship with him. But a youth minister is specially trained in helping youth and young adults to grow in discipleship with Jesus. Because this is exactly what Jesus did. He took the 12 and he discipled them. He didn't just teach them about God, but he discipled them. So this week, as I said, the second collection will be taken up uh, for the youth minister's salary. If you are not prepared, because this is the first time you've ever heard of this, which I'm not surprised, feel free to drop something off at the parish later, if you, uh, or at the parish offices, if you want to give to this. But please make sure that you ear note it, or earmark it, youth ministry salary, so that it indicates to us this is what you want it to be used for. Because there's a little rule in the church, if you write what the intention for your donation is, we by law cannot use it for anything else, right? So if you say youth ministry salary, it will only ever be used for youth ministry salary. If you have yourself experienced this wonderful relationship with Christ, then praise God. And if you want the others of the next generation to also experience that, then please consider either giving in the second collection today at Mass or dropping something off to any one of the parish offices. And in case anyone is listening to this on the recording later, our address is 512 Buckrow Avenue, Hampton, Virginia, 23664. Oh, I'm going to get someone that way, I guarantee it. (laughs) But please, this is a really good ministry to be a part of. And if you have kids who have been a part of our youth ministry in the past when we had a youth minister, as some people told me last night, they can tell you how invaluable this is. But this is really setting up for the next generation, right? Because as I look out on the parish today, the average age, 50. We need to be planning for the next generation to come fill the pews when all of us go to glory.